Greetings! You're listening to the audio version of Up the Waterfall. To see us and everything we talk about, be sure to check out the video version by visiting youtube.com slash Xanaland. Thanks for listening! Well, now you got into this mess by going down a waterfall. Now, how would you suppose we'd get them out of there? By going up the waterfall? That's right! Anything's possible in Disneyland. Welcome, friends. I feel like I say that exactly the same every time. <laughs> it's just what I do. Welcome, friends, to episode 18 of Up the Waterfall podcast. That's right. Our podcast is now able to vote and get drafted. Okay. Just kidding. That's, <laughs> it would be years, and we have not done that for 18 years. Anyway, I am your host, Zana, and this is Scott Otis. And here we take a journey up the waterfall of Disney Park's history and all that good stuff, nostalgia, with a present-day outlook. So we're not all about the past, as this episode will show you. Uh, We want to thank you, of course, for joining us today. And this may be a controversial episode. Oh, my. Because it is going to be top 10 or top 5. We'll see how it ends up. <laughs> Disney hits or misses. Ooh, and I what think, a broad topic. Yeah, I think we were throwing around ideas and I think we decided that this particular episode, both of us kind of veered toward Disney parks, hits or misses. Not specifically attractions or something, which we of course have already done. Uh, but just like concepts, releases, things like that, that have affected Disney parks in the past and recent past. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the future, we may do something like, you know, the Walt Disney Company in general, hits and misses, etc. Or we could even do Disney World specifically. Right, Disney World Disneyland. specifically, Disneyland specifically. So I would, I would be interested in, in yeah. delving into these. The topics are endless. Yes. <laughs> So this first um, venture into this topic will be, as I said, Disney parks related, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily one coast or the other, because a lot of them are, I think, across both. I don't know what your list is, but we each have five hits and five misses. We'll see how many we get to. I don't want this to be a two-hour episode. We uh, can we can try to go th- go through them quickly to get through. <laughs> and what, some of what them might be the same. Eventually, be twenty. I do have backups. Oh, you see, you always have backups. <laughs> I'm like always trying to come up with things, but you have all the facts and figures, knowledge that I don't have. Oh. So, do you want to go first, or do you want me to jump in? Beauty before lack of brains. Wait, I think that means that means you should go first <laughs> because you have the beauty and the brains. Hmm, I don't know about that. Um, okay, well, the first hit for me is very basic and very broad and I think pretty obvious too which would be imagineering as a concept that's a good one as a entity I guess you could say I would say the Disney parks would not be what they what they are without imagineering right and what year did they start 52 (laughs) right so this was you know obviously right before Disneyland was created this is as you I'm sure everyone watching this or listening to this has seen the Imagineering story on Disney Plus oh, yes. or Beautiful. has a basic knowledge of how Disneyland was created. And it certainly would not have come to pass without Imagineering having been started. Yeah. All of those interesting research and development labs, the creative minds behind, you know, how do we make these attractions work? How do we make audio animatronics, which didn't really exist. Yeah, I mean, it, it really started with Walt. You know, he was toying with the idea of starting up a park, and he basically picked his um, his artists uh, for his you know from his studio to help him, and basically drafted them to join this new entity that was going to create this park that he was noodling around upstairs. And he basically started Imagineering that way, and uh, they basically came up with all the story ideas and and all of the creative ideas for the attractions and audio animatronics and everything 
And it certainly has changed. It's developed, yes. Over time. Obviously, I think nowadays we know a lot more about Imagineering when it first started because so many people have told their stories and Mm -hmm. there have been, you know, countless books and now TV shows, et cetera, on them. Um, But I think nowadays Imagineering has so many different layers to it having to do with budgets and, (laughs) you know, what people want as far as successful There's so many different uh, realms within Imagineering. Certainly there's the creative side versus the the numbers uh, side. But also there are sides that we don't even know about. You know, uh, there are folks who basically plan decades in the future as to exactly, not exactly, but but, uh, what they're planning to do. Right. As well as, you know, they do architecture and and drafting and basically just tons of, I, I guess they say there's 140 different disciplines within Imagineering, but wow. it's just amazing all of the, you know, totally different things that we often don't think about. Yeah, and so many of the tasks then that are have to, you know, come to life to make something happen may not even be under the Imagineering umbrella. They might just be... Yeah you know, independent contractors or other departments that jump in and do something. Yeah. But regardless, Imagineering is kind of oh yeah the big hit of, <laughs> you know, Disney parks in general. I would say that's and a huge hit. And what sets it apart, I think, from any other theme park. Yes. I would agree. <laughs> Not really going out on a limb to say that. Well, I was going to say, should we go hit, hit, and then miss, miss, or do yeah, you want to Yeah, let's do it that way, so we can All right. go on a roller coaster ride of emotions. Yeah, I would say that my first one was also, just like yours, a very broad concept, but also one that's undoubtedly super important to the parks, and I would say a huge hit in Disney Parks history would be audio animatronics. Oh, would you yes, agree? you narrowed it down <laughs> from within Imagineering. Yes, no, I agree. And, you know, uh, it actually did not start with the parks. The, you know, the first official audio animatronics that appeared in the parks were when uh, the Tiki Birds, when the Tiki Bird attraction came out. I remember when I was growing up, I was thought, but I thought Jungle Cruise premiered opening day at Disneyland. Aren't those audio animatronics? Like the little alligators and, and, and you know, other critters that they had. And those actually weren't. Those were very rudimentary uh Critters whose mouths would either, you know, just go up and down or yeah. they would be on a turntable rotating in a circle, which I guess... And they weren't singing songs to us That's like the true. birds. <laughs> yeah, they've become much more advanced uh, even in that time. But yeah, uh, if you think about all of the attractions, you know, the really great attractions, a lot of them have audio animatronics. I would say, you know, certainly Pirates of the Caribbean and the Haunted Mansion and even the old World of Motion. You yeah, think about that. it really yeah. is the way to tell a story, whether that story is fictionalized with talking and singing birds or other animals yeah. or creatures or representations of humans. So we can certainly identify it with that. I think that's what was so great about World of Motion is that we could see, you know, ourselves in the past and things like mm-hmm. that and really identify with it. Yeah. I would say, uh, you know, President Lincoln, was that was a big part of that. That was the first human audio animatronic. And that certainly then went into, you know, things like Carousel Progress and all other things. If you think about even just the evolution of them and how they've grown to just be so realistic these days. You know, remember the, the Witch of the West in the yes. Great Movie Ride? Um and even now with the new rise of the resistance, I won't give anything away for those who have not experienced it, mm. but there are some audio animatronics <laughs> in there that are pretty amazing as well. I actually think the Navi River Journey oh, yeah. Shaman River Shaman is more advanced personally That's than the rise of the resistance. Yeah, but there was a time actually just before all of this where Disney was kind of getting away from audio animatronics and, and starting to do... Um, more things that didn't require that. Um, and even if you think about it, what they, when the Spaceship Earth one, mm-hmm. the one that a lot of people think is Steve Jobs, that mm. is not an audio animatronic. Yeah, That's he just, doesn't really do anything. Uh, yeah, he just kind of sits there. And so you would think that kind of like when that premiered, they could have added 
more audio animatronics. Yeah. And, you know, there are times when they got away from that, things like Soren and, and other things like that. I but mean, I'm sure even, you know, as we've seen when the Navi River journey first opened, it it would break down. Yeah. And it's just constantly an issue. There's so many moving parts and servos Absolutely. and all of these little electric things I that just thought of another one, by the way. The the new Smuggler's <laughs> Run uh, attraction. Oh, yeah. The, uh, See, that's another. What's, what's the Hondo name? Onaka yeah. is, ha- I think, oh my gosh. very Navi River yeah. Journey yeah, that's level. just spectacular. So, uh, get yeah, back so into it. I think it definitely should be. I think it that puts you into the story, you know, one more level versus a projection or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of course, I don't really know a lot about animatronics as far as the mechanical, yeah, I you mean, know, it used to be they used on. to use fluids and all of that yeah, just to hydraulics basically you know, hydraulics to kind of control, you know, a wing flap or whatever. Yeah, uh, open a mouth, open of the mouth, and but it also had to do with the audio part of that as well. Yeah, so it, it was basically intertwined, and so I really like it. <laughs> More audio animatronics, please. Yes, please. <laughs> What's right. next on your list? Or do you so now want to We're go doing to a, a miss now? Uh, I guess. So here comes the controversial part, Yikes. folks. Okay. My first one is Fast Pass. Ooh. Sorry. Please direct all hate mail to <laughs> Otisney at twitter.com. Um just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so Fast Pass debuted in nineteen ninety nine. That's right. And <laughs> I, def- I, I just want to say, you know, a disclaimer. It is good in theory. The concept of FastPass being able to reserve a time to come back so that you're not spending three hours in line is a good concept. However, I think there's just like one more level of figuring out <laughs> that they need to do <laughs> to get it to a successful I, I mean, some things, it works great, yes. But when you get a new e-ticket ride or even an existing e-ticket ride, it's so difficult to get those fast passes. And then yes. as a result, if you don't have one, which as locals, a lot of us, I mean, well, I'll get into that in a second. But if you don't <laughs> get that, then the standby alternative is kind of insane, Yes, which there's arguments for both sides like well if there wasn't fast pass then the standby lines would be even longer because everyone would be in it right in but in my view the queue was meant to be part of the attraction right you know it used to be the imagineers would make it so that what was going on with the in the queue while you were waiting for the main attraction was part of the attraction yeah and you know they've done exceptional jobs uh, at doing that in places such as you know, Expedition Everest, mm-hmm. um, also... Um, Voyage the, of the Little Mermaid? Vo- I'm yeah, sure Voyage that's not what you were thinking of. In, in Florida. <laughs> I was going to say uh, the Five Passage at uh, oh, yeah. Animal Kingdom. There's so many examples of where the queue is such an integral part of, of the story Right. that that actually going through the fast pass queue is actually almost... A, you're doing yourself a disservice. All these people are... <laughs> planning for their vacations but then when they get there they're like we got to get from right. attraction and to attraction I, I to think attraction and you know it's t- it actually the journey is part of it, you know stopping to smell the roses right and I think that's a major component of this argument is because there are so many different types of park goers and Disney vacationers yes. there are those that you know they come once a year or once every five years or once in a lifetime even and they want to make sure they see it all and sometimes the only way to do that is be right on the ball at the 60 day mark or whatever and the 180 day mark to get your reservations for dining and all of this stuff that involves so much planning and scheduling that for other people that either like you say you know are purists and want to appreciate the attraction as it was intended not do a bypass and cut off half of the queue area um or like myself locals that may on a whim say hey let's go to a park and go on a ride and then you get to a park and you can't go on any rides because there's 
you know, a 120 minute wait and there's no fast passes, of course, the day of. There are, you know, times when you'll get lucky and get one. But it's really and truly has changed the way that you go to a park and the way that you experience a park. Um, I'm not 100% sure that it is all positive. So that's why it's on my misses. That's a very good point. It used to be that you just would go to an attraction and there would be queues yeah. or lines and you would just get in them and that's just the way it was. Disney's, uh, I think it's become so popular. Right. And that's you know, the thing too. They're is trying to come up with ways to make it easier. Yeah. They're trying to spread people out, siphon people off. And I think that's what some of the other things that are on my lists will um, speak to that also. Just different activities I was and add things. one point to that I guess you could say also is that if if there are people have virtual spots in the queue having a fast pass they are not physically in the queue and that means right. they're somewhere else and I know that that has led to there being crowd crowd issues like in places such as Disneyland yeah for sure and yeah. I think that leads to the newest form of a fast pass which is of course the virtual Mm. queue boarding group situations involved with Rise of the Resistance. They even kind of started that with, I guess, Dumbo. Yeah, that's true. But first of all, Dumbo, they added two Dumbos here and then added that whole situation. And there was never really a huge (laughs) line after that that I saw. Just because they they doubled the capacity. And I get that... You know, putting in a playground is like a completely different... You can't do that for every ride. That is true. And I certainly, when Geo was smaller, we would just go and go in the playground and, you know... (laughs) I don't know. It's a whole separate thing. But I think the virtual queue idea is a good one. I don't think it is currently being executed Yeah, because think of all the cast members that have to now get to work at 2 a.m. or or so. Yeah. And anyone... Man that attraction. Right. And anyone that wants to attempt to get on the ride four, five, six hours later has to be there right when the park opens with everyone in your group that's going to be on the ride with you and trying to, you know, on your phone, on your app, get a boarding group. And that's still not a guarantee that you (laughs) will get on the ride because it will break down. They won't get to all the boarding groups. There are people who get right into the park and then right at the moment that those... uh, that, that vir- the virtual queue is opened, they can get their spot and they're in, what, queue number 100 or yeah. whatever. Yeah, so. I mean, I've been there right at 7 a.m. when it's turned on and gotten 64 or 63 yeah, or so. something like that. It, so it's yeah, kind I mean, of crazy. It's just the, the demand is so high. Yeah, and, and I realize that it's a giant yeah. experiment because yeah. they couldn't test this out any other way than to just do it this way you can't just open the ride and be like okay everyone go because the other situation of having you know 10 hour queues like waiting out people camping outside of the park um and then waiting in line for 10 hours is kind of ridiculous too so Mm -hmm. there does have to be a happy medium i understand that they're trying to figure (laughs) that out i do Mm -hmm. just wish that there was some way to not penalize people that don't or cannot plan as far enough ahead as those who maybe are staying on property or you know actually plan things out especially for you as a cast member we you know not everyone in the family has an annual pass so you have to be able to you're the only one that can make fast passes for some people in the family yeah and i can't even get into some places yeah so i mean well that's another (laughs) whole thing but like it's not an easy just like, oh, let me, you know, look on my app and see if I can get five fast passes for anything. That's right. It's a whole ordeal. So okay. I think the concept is good. The execution sh- could use some tweaking in 2020, perhaps. Yeah. Maybe we'll see that. So, All right. What's your first miss? My first miss is um, kind of the overall shortening of attractions uh-huh. and this kind of comes into two formats um, taking existing attractions and cutting them or just the overall a lot of the new attractions just aren't as long of an experience as a lot of the older ones this and is it, why I like doing this with you because you always come up with these very unique things that I would <laughs> never have thought of like 
Well, okay, if you think about <laughs> some of the existing attractions, like the Country Bear Jamboree, yes, the Enchanted Tiki Room, um, a lot of these have been just cl- you know classic Disney attractions that, for some reason or another, Disney has just decided to go in there and just chop. And just to make them shorter. Yeah. Just uh, crowd control, moving people through. Right. Another one is the Voyage of the Little Mermaid at the Studios attraction. That one is just a shell of what it used oh, to be. Oh, the live action puppet right. situation? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So these are some examples. And I, wait, I guess they chalk it up to that people just have shorter attention spans. But do they have shorter, this is uh, an argument of mine for years, do they have shorter attention spans or are we giving them shorter attention spans by, you know, yeah. it's kind of like the the yeah. app versus exactly. the kid playing, do you, you know, create tablet <laughs> games and all this stuff because people can't pay attention or sit through a queue or can I mean, they not do that because they have all this stuff? I think that the Imagineers have enough imagination and the wherewithal to create an attraction that people will enjoy for a small amount of time as well as a long amount of time. I mean, if you think about it, there are some really great attractions, um, American Adventure, that are just, they're long. But, uh, I mean, if you think about and it, even... that theater is usually not crowded. Well, not, <laughs> a lot of times not when we're there. Yeah. But sometimes during the, the days. I suppose. Longer days, summer days, absolutely it is. <laughs> um, but I was even going to say, the uh, if you think about the, the, the old studio tour, mm-hmm. You know, they created an attraction that would be multiple hours. Yeah. You know, so they have it within them to do that. Uh, but I, I remember when I worked at Epcot and a lot of the guests would come up and ask me, oh, how long is you know, Horizons <laughs> or World of Motion? It used to be the, my standard answer for all of them. And it seemed like all of them were like about 18 minutes long. You know, Spaceship Earth, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Journey into Imagination, Horizons. World of Motion. World of Motion, yeah. All of them were right around that 18-minute mark. And it was like, you know, that's a really good amount. That's a almost perfect. And and they've just come out with a lot of attractions that are just short. Yeah, I mean, even shorter. the Flight of Passage, yeah. which is a great uh, attraction as far as experience goes. A lot of people don't like it as much as you do and I do. But uh, because it's like screens and it's just, you know, not a very audio animatronic dark mm-hmm. ride filled kind of experience. But um, that's pretty short also. Yes, it is. But I would say they, they have gotten back uh, to it with the rise of the resistance. That's mm-hmm. a long. Yeah. Uh, multi-part, multi-part experience. Multi-part experience. And I'm thankful for that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, even just a lot of the movies or shows that they come out. I mean, Oh, Canada, that's another one. Uh, mm. Where it used to be a, l- a lot longer and hmm. it's a lot shorter now. Wonders China. I, it'll be interesting when that one finally comes out to see how much how chopped that one is as mm. well. Um, on the same topic, Defunct Land on Twitter recently, just today or yesterday, I think, was commenting that it will be interesting to see how Rise of the Resistance, like changes Ooh, yeah. over the next 30 years. Like, will it suddenly become like you know the doors are just open and you don't have cast yeah. members that are part of yeah, the story I mean, anymore. Even, even in Smuggler's Run, there is one door that's meant to be closed at all times mm. that is now open. So that one's already crazy. kind of gone to a point where, oh, come on. And, th- and that goes back to the different types of park goers. There's people that just come in <laughs> and demand and demand and want to do as much as possible and don't really savor what is in front of them and just want quick and fast and now that's right what are you gonna do all right oh we're going back let's go back to hits hits okay (laughs) kind of go back and forth well i'm gonna since you have some backups i think i might combine two of mine Uh because it my next one was going to be monorails uh and my one after that was going to be on-site hotels Boy. As a concept, <laughs> um, but I think I can it's combine. How you combine? Well, because that. the monorails were a main, you know, mode of transportation to get to the original um, hotels when the park Conveyance. opened yes. in 1971. Um, and now we call them monorail hotels, but when the place first opened, they were just you know the only hotels. <laughs> um, but I think doing that, of course, in Disneyland, there was the Disneyland Hotel, but it definitely wasn't an original 
thing. It was owned by different people. And it all was that owned by stuff. different people. It was definitely always associated with Disneyland. And very quickly, the um, the monorail that premiered there in 1959 was quickly added as a stop to uh, the Disneyland Hotel. Mm. Um, but it was always considered an attraction there, more more than a mode of transportation for those hotel guests. Hmm. Well, anyway, um, I just <laughs> think that it, it it was a brilliant idea to say, hey, let's put hotels here so that they yeah. don't have to drive from far away. They're already here. We've got them <laughs> as far yeah. as, you know, marketing goes <laughs> and merchandising and shopping and dining and all of that fun stuff. I think that was a brilliant idea, which has certainly been um, mimicked in other area theme parks. Universal now has, you know, very many on-site hotels, some further away than others, but they're great. It's a great way to do a different theme that you may not have like a land for this in the theme parks, but you can have a themed area in the hotel. Um, you're laughing at me. What? I think it's just because I think you took two of my, off of my list. Oh, well, we're all combining. It's, it's, it's going to prevent no, us can, from having a two-hour show. I can show. add to this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think also Legoland Florida, which, as you know, I love. It's talked fun. about it a few times. Has done this as well. And I think that has led to their success because um, it's not right in Orlando. It's in Winter Haven, which is a little like right around an hour away from where we are right now mm-hmm. in Orlando. Um, but they've done these amazing, like the Legoland Hotel, the beach resort, beach retreat, little cottages, oh, yeah, the bungalows. Right. Um, and now they're doing the pirate themed resort as well. And they have a ton of like visitors from the UK and things like that. Yeah. And their hotels all include breakfast. So it really is like a whole <laughs> um, concept that yeah. I think Disney is certainly can take credit for. And having them be themed, not just a hotel, a generic bland hotel that you can go sleep at and be near to a park, but... So you're including basically all the themed uh, hotels within Disney World? Yeah. Okay. Because, <laughs> Why? Are because, you... No, no, because they they have done that very well. They've taken just um, a lot of amazing yeah. themes and created great hotels exactly. based on that. If you think about even both the Yacht and Beach Club... And even just the differences between the two. Yeah. You know, the one's the kind of the, the seaside of like Cape Newport. May, New I was going to say, yeah, one's Cape oh, May, New Jersey. Beach Club, yeah. One's up uh, like Yacht Club would be more like Newport, Rhode Island. So just. Yeah. And, and they all, for the most part, except for maybe the value resorts, which their story is evident on the buildings, but they all have a backstory, which, yes, you know, is what sets Disney apart in most things is that they all have a story to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think after I recently did a resort showcase tour and we had we heard the little story <laughs> of the Yacht Club, which I knew, of course, but I hadn't heard in a while. And the girl giving the tour was like, I never knew that until I started working here. Oh. So it is kind of crazy how, like, back in the day, really, like, in the 80s and 90s when they were doing these new things, everything had, like, Pleasure Island and all that stuff had a story so, you know, you weren't just walking into a hotel. You were walking into a specific thing that this guy had built for everyone mm-hmm. to enjoy and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So right. I would say some do it better than others. Yes. And, but that's totally fine. I mean, like Animal Kingdom Lodge, Wilderness Lodge, the Polynesian Village are like some of the more exceptional yeah. um, examples of those. But uh, good one. Yeah. And the monorail, you know, you just throw in them because that's a, a cool <laughs> concept moving people around in an efficient way for the most part. We need an update to ours. I think it's happening at some point. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's a great well, mode of transportation. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll use that uh, to bump into one of mine, okay. which is basically, it includes the monorail. It's basically all of the modes of transportation I thought you might that do Disney that uses. <laughs> uh, and I would say chief among them is the monorail. I mean, the monorail is just such an iconic Disney thing, and it wasn't originally Disney. You know, Disney actually uh, discovered it as a th- right. Th- uh, the, the Alweg company mm-hmm. in Germany. He he just spotted that, and he told his Imagineers, "Let's put that at Disneyland." So, um, but uh, if you think about it, even just the contemporary hotel and the monorail gliding through that, that is such yeah. an iconic image. Yeah, but and it, oh. okay, there you go. No, I just, <laughs> it's just you know, it's very unique and yes. 
But uh, Disney has uh, done quite a bit more. Uh, certainly with Disney World, uh, the um, a lot of the water transportations, the the yes. boats that they you know take passengers uh, across Bay Lake or I guess Seven Seas Lagoon, mm-hmm. but also uh, through Bay Lake to get to all of the different hotels, you know, yeah. Fort Wilderness, Wilderness Lodge, but even the new Skyliner. That's right. All right. And yes, and they have they have certainly perfected the uh, the parking tram. <laughs> That's not the most sexy of all of the. Uh, <laughs> it used to be one of my favorites when I was little, and we'd actually park and take one up. But like, nowadays, we mostly just walk, even right. if we're in a park. The ones at Disneyland are really cool because they run off of. Um, yes. I can't remember what they run off of, but they're a lot quieter. Yes. I know Mars the ones can't that make it up the hill. Yeah, there's there. that one hill in the Magic Kingdom parking lot that. They just, they need it to be gas powered <laughs> for that reason. <laughs> but I think we will definitely do future episodes on either oh, yeah. individual modes of transportation or transportation as a whole. Right. But I'm then sure. I would also say that um, Disney World certainly has um, used the motor coach as a way to get people around. Yeah. It's not the most fun, but they've, they've tried to make it more fun by having a, a fun images on the side. Yeah, they really are making improvements, and those new buses all have, we learned this at the resort showcase, um, Wi-Fi and little USB yeah. charging ports, okay. like every couple of go. seats. I mean, they are kind of the workhorses of the you know the transportation system, mm-hmm. but uh, they do what they do. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I would, you know, you could even lump in the, like the monorail at Tokyo. There are buses at Tokyo as well that get from the Ambassador Hotel to the two uh, parks there. But then also there are motor coaches at, um, in Paris as well. And even a subway system at Hong Kong, which is a way f- to get from the, like the Hong Kong airport to the Hong Kong resort. So. And really what all of this on-site transportation has done is taken you out of the you know mr wheeler mr uh that goofy thing you know mr, uh, wheeler, mr. with the mr. Geef. with the road rage <laughs> that may occur by driving to various places and parking right next to the park or something like that it's taken you out of that and immersed you into you know the buses aren't a great immersion but the characters like you said and they always have music playing on them <laughs> and when i was little i really loved taking disney buses with the little green oh, yeah. flag or the red Absolutely. flag or whatever to go oh, to the, the treehouse villas and the vacation villas and all that stuff the brown flag yeah um but now as we've said a few times it's grown so much there's been no choice but to add more yeah. and but the skyliner the recent addition is a very nice touch yes it and is I fun. like that Let's go into another miss. Oh, right. Okay. Well, <clears throat> let's see. Uh, keeping with the controversial topics, if people are listening and are out-of-town planners and vacationers, they may not appreciate this, but the dining plan, in my opinion, is a miss. Please explain. For guests of the park that maybe are not having a huge package and staying on site, which, you know, we are a good number of people leading to park, you know, profits and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Not, I guess, the main component, because why would they do it otherwise? <laughs> um, anyway, my point is that when the dining plan happened, it really, really changed the way vacations were purchased yep. and really changed the dining, like the restaurants, the way um, chefs created new dishes, the way menus were now uh, written and created and all that fun stuff. Mm. Because if people were getting free dining, then you don't want to give them all of the things that they were doing, all of the expensive and costly menu items that you know, people were paying for on their own, but if it's included in this free dining plan, maybe that they don't want that to be included. So things would be changed and menus, you know, would be kind of rewritten. I think in the dining plan began in 2005. And I think, yeah, 2005. We're only just in the past few years, I think, recovering from that. And chefs are finally like, look, we're going to do what we (laughs) want to do. And we're going to create things because that is something that people actually care about and want to come to these restaurants. And the dining plan people will do dining plan things, but (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, it definitely made me miss the food and fun card. Do you remember that? I do. Which was a card that you could buy for something like 50 or $55 a person. And it basically gave you three meals and then a specific thing like an appetizer, an entree, mm -hmm. a dessert, and a non-alcoholic beverage. And you could also partake in the fun, which <laughs> was right. like getting to do boats yeah, and that's yeah. the only reason that we ever well, did like the little water sprites and all this stuff uh -huh. was because we had the food and fun card yeah. and it was included in it which i think was a really great thing um but you know more people <laughs> come you can't really have the food and fun card and and still make profits like they do now i guess yep. um it also reminded me of the gold key club which I had to look up. I've talked about that before. It's on mm -hmm. my blog. With When we went to and stayed at the villas, we had the gold key card. And that's why we went to the Gulf Coast Room. Fancy. And the Empress Lily and all of that stuff. Ooh. Because <laughs> it basically gave you like three meals a day. Like three meals a day. We yeah. were like so stuffed. <laughs> um, uh, that's find... also a problem with the, the, the dining plan is that... Well, yeah, and yeah. but they I do they have, have different they levels, have different so levels, you can yes. just do the quick serve or the snacks or whatever. But people are always talking like on message boards and stuff, like how they have leftover yeah. snacks and they're buying like five things of popcorn on their last day and stuff. Um, but what the gold key thing included was five nights in the contemporary tower or a two-bedroom vacation villa treehouse villa or fairway villa oh that's why we stayed there we did this plan wow. six days transport <clears throat> use of the transportation system Yay. six days admission and unlimited use of all attractions at magic kingdom <laughs> Epcot. or is that um, even before Epcot? no it, it was they just hadn't put it on okay. there and then all Walt Disney World recreational activities and facilities like we rented a pontoon boat one time I remember and that was that's the only awesome. reason why and then breakfast, lunch, and dinner at any Walt Disney World res restaurant or <laughs> dinner show. That's why we went to the top of the world was because of this gold key thing. Um, for six days, excludes fast food locations. So we didn't go to the electric umbrella because it wasn't part <laughs> like of the did. thing. Um, awesome. And the, the prices were started. This was in 1982, starting at $568 for each adult. So Okay. But that included the hotel and yeah. the admission. So, yeah. It's amazing. I know. I miss it. But I mean, well, you can get like the the premiere or whatever sure. premium dining plan. <laughs> um, but anyway, my point was, I think it, it was really kind of a down turn as far as dining goes. Yeah. But like I said, it they're really. The menus and all that. So. Yeah. They are making up for it now. There's lots of interesting things happening. And the dining plan is still around. So maybe it is a, a hit. I don't know. Well, maybe it's a miss that's going to turn into a hit. Yeah. But. All right. Okay. Anyway. But for my next miss, I would say it's the general homogenization of the theme parks. Uh-oh, I might have stolen one. Mass uh, homogenization of parks. Literally okay. the same terminology. Let's combine this. Uh, okay, we both have apparently have this on our list. <laughs> but yeah, there are times when Disney is um, putting a lot of the same things at different locations or in their properties around the world to make it... You know, I, I guess to give each park the same experience. Whereas I actually prefer when they don't do that. Yeah. It gives us a reason to go to all of these locations. Or even just if, if we can't see them, then we get to hear about them and strive to get there. Yeah. Um, I, I would say a, a perfect example of them doing this is Batu. Mm, yes. Which is a giant land. You know, the largest uh, expansion in, in theme park history, right? And they're adding a couple of attractions in each. And it's, you know, there are some minor differences. The approach uh, areas, as well as, you know, color differences. But it's generally the same land yeah. in both locations, which is a reason to not uh, go overseas. Would you like to <laughs> Well, that? yeah, I was going to say that I think... Um, it definitely started happening with the newer e-ticket attractions, which granted Pandora and Animal Kingdom on a whole only exists here. Epcot only exists here. But there are different, even different ride systems 
um, that are the same thing, like test track yeah. and the cars, Radiator Springs racers. Right. They're the same system, but different tracks. Right. Same system, different tracks. Indiana Jones, Dinosaur yeah. is the same. Indiana Jones and Dinosaur are the exact same layout. Yeah. But I think but Indiana Jones attractions. does make it worth going to because it is different. Right. But as time went on into the, like the early 2010s, I guess, is when things really started to um, change over. And you would get, you know, even just the shopping bags would not say Disneyland anymore. It was just yeah. Disney parks and all of that. Because yeah. And I think the marketing, like growing up here, I never saw advertisements for Disneyland. I never heard about Disneyland. Granted, you know, times have changed. There's the internet and all that stuff. Right. But it wasn't a thing. It was just like Disneyland was its own thing. It was a locals park for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, international people from coming from the other direction could go there. People from the Midwest over would go there, perhaps. Yeah. Um, while Disney World was always like the international park that was advertised everywhere because it was bigger. There was, you know, more space, et cetera. But somewhere along the line, they were like, hey, we can market both of these things to everyone. And that, of course, made uh, Disneyland a lot more crowded. Yeah. And, you know, things like that. And made these changes like, I don't think, you know, Batu was needed in Disneyland. Will everyone that's there appreciate it? Sure. But at what cost? That's, you know, yeah. I mean, there have been some really big examples um, where they haven't done this, as you mentioned, Pandora, as well as Cars Land out at California. But even like if you take ex- uh, rides such as um, Big Thunder Mountain, Splash Mountain, they have, you know, even Pirates of the Caribbean, they do have uh, those versions all throughout the world, but they're all different. Yeah. You know, they, they have minor differences or even a lot of times major differences. Um, I think another example of something that's exactly the same is the, the Little Mermaid attraction, yeah. which is at both California Adventure as well as the Magic Kingdom. Other than the queue area right? at you know, at the Magic Kingdom, which is far superior, the, the ride <laughs> is the exact same. Yeah, and I think and when they first announced that they were building that, like we were all hoping like, oh, it's going to be different over here, but oh. it wasn't because... Obviously, it's cheaper and more, yeah. you know, easier to do to make it exactly the same. Right. So, I mean, I I just really like differences. I remember when they opened Tokyo Disney Sea. Everything that opened with the park was absolutely completely different. There was only one exception, and that was the their Indiana Jones attraction, which was had a different theme. Instead of Indiana Jones and the uh, what was it, Temple of the Forbidden Eye, it was. Uh, what was uh, I can't remember? It was the name of the, the same name as the know. last movie. The, uh, oh, the Kingdom of the Crystal the Skull. Of the Crystal <laughs> Skull. They had yeah, it was a whole different theme. The ride, you know, it was the same vehicle, yeah. same layout, but um, a whole different theme. So I mean, even that's a pretty big difference. But everything else in that entire park was brand new. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Mean, I, w- I like different things. And I guess another, uh, uh, an upcoming example is the um, the Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway yes, that they are now true. doing at both Disneyland and Disney World. So It really is interesting that that's the path that they're going yeah. down. And I'm sure there's been lots of studies and, you know, all sorts of accounting and whatever else brainstorming to say this is why we're doing this and it's a good thing. Yeah. Ratatouille. Yeah, yeah, Ratatouille. I mean, th- it would have been a perfect chance for them to switch it up because it's going, I mean, Ratatouille, the original Remy ride, is in France, obviously. But here it's in the France Pavilion, and they certainly could have changed something about it. I mean, we haven't seen it yet, so maybe there will be changes, but probably not. <laughs> I mean, and actually, if you think about it, actually, uh, the Toy Story Midway Mania was the first attraction that they actually um, did the planning for both Disneyland's and uh, Disney World's both at the exact same time all to open mm. at the same time. So. I still have never been on the one in Disneyland. Oh, I think it's, it's, Their I mean, line is always longer the, traditionally, the layout, so I've just been like, Meh. The layout, I mean, where the physically the cars go, that layout is different. Oh, but really? But the screens that you see yeah, are the same. Yeah, like so. I would never notice yeah. that, <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, yeah. Hmm. Oh, well. Okay. Let's go to another hit. Another though. hit. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, this is going to be a quick one. Okay. We need a couple of quick ones. D23. <laughs> Ooh. 
good one. I think it's a hit. That wasn't even on my list, and it should have been. That's back here, as that was my one prop, was adding the D23 Expo thing. Um, we've talked about it before in the very first episode, which you can listen to or watch mm-hmm. right now. No, wait until we're done. Um, <laughs> I think parts of it, obviously, I'm not a fan of, but the concept itself, the original intent of D23 as a ultimate Disney fan club that focuses on the history and the little interesting facts in the archives that they share. I'm so thankful that that exists and that um, they share it with us and that we have chances to go see things, either archives exhibits at the Destination D or the expos and, you know, various events in between. The magazines are kind of just kind of like a glossier version of that. (laughs) It's more like the current... (laughs) Iteration, you know, like a yeah. Batu or whatever, um, Frozen. Um, it does combine with whatever the big marketing push of course. is. The expos have a huge, you know, present day marketing synergy situation going on. But I can take that to get all of the other benefits. Yeah, they do also embrace the past and yeah. they, they celebrate it even. And they have lots of, you know, the panels that mm-hmm. where they bring in the old Imagineers. Yeah. Uh, even just the old retired Imagineers, as well as even the the current ones. The the most recent one had a nice uh, one with, um, of course, now I forget. His <laughs> <laughs> well, watch our D23 episode. Maybe you mentioned it there. This is very <laughs> embarrassing because I, you know, jeez. Anyway, it was yes. a good interview, I'm sure. It really was. <laughs> Talking about the past, but also the future. Uh, but even you try to have folks like Tony Baxter, um, you know, he's just got amazing stories. And just being able to see all of that stuff and the development of all of that and how it kind of enfolded into what we have now. Yeah. It's just amazing. So, good one. <laughs> Thanks. I will come up with that. Short and sweet. Yep. Okay, my <laughs> next one, hopefully it will be short and sweet too is oh i was just going to say the ride conveyance systems if you think about uh this really happened um with the the world's fair the 1964 1965 world's fair you know disney had you know disneyland had been open for what nine years before that but it really wasn't until that fair when they had come up with the uh, um, a couple of really great concepts including the omni mover um which you know, it was actually kind of developed with the Ford Magic Skyway. But then in the parks, it was developed into Adventure Through Inner Space mm-hmm. and the Haunted Mansion, certainly. And it was basically just a way for Disney to be able to direct the whatever that was happening physically, mm. and direct the guest's viewpoint as being able to, okay, now instead of looking over here, we're going to turn yeah. you over this way and look over here. So, um, and they've, you know, if you think about even just the evolution of that and they've uh, done quite an amazing job with that, a, with now the Voyage of the, or not the Voyage of the Little Mermaid, the, what's the Little Mermaid Aerials Undersea Adventures or something? that one. I don't know. There's two different names, so. Yeah. And a lot of the (laughs) Epcot attractions are the old ones, you know, Horizons. Mm, We miss you. But then even the, the Living Seas the clam mobiles that they have there yes but then also you know just (laughs) with the development of it's a small world there at the the world's fair and then the pirates of the caribbean that was a way for them to just be able to pump tons of people through these attractions because the original idea for pirates of the caribbean was to be a walkthrough exhibit that's crazy yeah um or a wax museum but these boats that they have come up with, which have been used in various attractions since, um, is just a way, they are people eaters. They are able to get, you know, two, three, four thousand people an hour yeah. in there. Um, so, and if you think of just about all the different ride systems that they have come up with, even since then, with the, like, the Star Tours uh, simulator. Mm. Even uh, Soren yeah. and the, that type of, you know, basically all the different ride systems that they've been able to come up with, that to <laughs> me is a hit. It's a hit. <laughs> yeah, it I goes back to uh, Imagineering, so, you know, it's yeah, all part of Yeah, that is true. It is part of Imagineering. <laughs> but. 
But yeah, I think you I said it all. I agree with everything you said. I have nothing to add, except now there's the new trackless ride system and Rise of the Resistance. So oh, there's another that's one, right? And it all began, I, I think, with Honey's uh, yeah, honey, Pooh's Honey Hunt. Pooh's Honey Hunt, which I've done at Tokyo, <sighs> Aquatopia, yes. as well, and you know, I think Remy's Ratatouille Adventure. Yes, hmm. which we will see. We will very soon. <laughs> All right. All right. Are we doing a miss again? Another miss. Uh, miss. Okay. This one is probably another quick one. I'm going to say, not necessarily a miss, was Vinylmations, but things where they like try really hard to make a merchandise thing be a thing. A hit. They've done this so many times. I mean, and sometimes I, they've they've hit. Yeah, Vinylmation was big for a while, and I am guilty of you know collecting all of them. Um, they're in a box somewhere <laughs> in this floor. Um, but yeah, and then it just fizzled out. And remember when D Street first opened oh, yeah. at Disney Springs, which was still downtown Disney. That yeah. was the West Side. Uh-huh. It's not even D Street anymore, right? It's no. now like the Marvel Store yeah, or it's something. Yeah, completely different thing. Yeah. And that was literally just a Vinylmation store yeah, when it opened. And even right after it opened, very soon after, it was like, well, let's uh, throw some merch, like some yeah. t-shirts and, and stuff that, in here. It started with pins. Yes. Which was a huge hit and I believe still is a huge hit. Probably not as big yeah. and they really as it used to be. And they really officially ended like the pin trading thing, but it still happens yeah. all the time. And there's, there's still more new pins but coming I mean, out. Yeah, there are so many things. If you think about glow with the show ears. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. That that kind of thing. And now we see it all the time with, you know, ear hats, which are yes. a hit, but are they at what cost are these ear hats coming out? You know, like it is amazing if you think <laughs> about it. If you go to a theme park and you look at all the people that have paid to get in there, how many of them are wearing some form yeah. of Disney hat and or it's, Disney ears or it's something. It's weird because like you said People, the other day, they, like you never used to see that or maybe I said that, I don't know. But it's funny to just look around and it's just like literally everywhere. Yeah. And so some things hit, some things miss. Yeah, yeah. Vinylmation. It, w- um, it, it was I was going to add to this a little sure. tag along, which would be the Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom, oh, yeah. which I think was a hit when it came out, maybe? Question mark. I was really into it because I had a little... Oh, you, you know, the kids were younger and Gio was in a stroller. It's still going on. Like they still, every Halloween party and Christmas party are like, here's the exclusive <laughs> Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom card. And people literally just get them to sell on eBay. And does yeah. anyone play the game anymore? I don't, I don't know. I don't see people playing it as much as, as they used to. And I don't even think necessarily all of the particular stations are open they, they used to be. We're going to do a video and check it out because back mm. when this happened on Xanaland.com, I have, it's still there, but I haven't updated it because I haven't been there. <laughs> but I had like a whole, you know, sorcerer's guide basically because it was a big deal when it came out. And it certainly could be something that they could have changed so many times. Like it's been out since, what year did that come out? 2000. Let's see. Nine or ten? 2012. 12, which wow. I thought, yeah, I looked it up and that's what they said. Um, they could have had so many new storylines. Yeah. Which then you have to worry about like, well, I never finished the last one. And, you know, it becomes that kind of they thing. They did add that new thing at um, the, in the Adventureland. With the, yes, the pirates, that's right. And that the is still there. One, and they have the... Um, Phineas and Ferb, which is now... Oh, yeah. Well, it's going to be new on the Play app, I believe, in Epcot. It's now going to be DuckTales, I think. So they have that. Plus, you know, the Play app has the thing that you do in Batu. There's the adventure in the Animal Kingdom with the up characters. Oh, yeah. Wilderness Explorers. Yeah. So there are, you know... it. I think the original concept, obviously, was a way to get that amount of people, that group that's interested in that out of line yeah. and doing this instead of this one but, you know um, yeah just, do you see many people doing that particular one i don't I know i don't even think see people doing the epcot one much anymore well i don't know if you can now because everything well no actually when we were there to see the beauty and the beast um preview there were things happening with the okay. i don't know 
Maybe it's still there. I'm not positive, but they are redoing it. So. Okay. <laughs> anyway, that was the last of my miss. Random merchandise and Here's my next miss. And this might might be considered a quibble. I don't know. But um, I this one's going to be Disney's overuse of the A-frame. <laughs> <laughs> if they need to convey a, a little piece of information, let's put up an A-frame. A little, basically, just an A-frame sign yeah. that they stick out in the middle of walkways, <laughs> which to me is, uh, I think, a lazy way of communicating. Uh, they, I know Imagineering has done so many great things with being able to convey things through signs and signology, if you will, but uh, a lot of the operations folks, they just put up an A-frame yeah. as a way of just, uh, and so there's just A-frames left and right. Like go this way for this, that way for that, and some or, are better than others. Closed. Yeah, some are more themed than others, and some are just not themed at all. Let's just put up an A frame. Yeah. To me, it's just it's lazy. I think that would then it, link into another miss, which would be the lack of communication and oh, yeah. connection between teams and departments, like from Imagineering yep. down the line to operations. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, and as I said, th- <laughs> this could be j- considered just you know you're just an old man quibbling with well. Well, I think but that goes back to the there's different types of vacationers or Disney parks visitors, and we are of course nerds and purists, <laughs> and for the most part, I mean, I will wear some you know ear hats every now and then and uh, all that stuff, but for the most part nomenclature and oh, yeah. you know theming and all of that stuff we're sticklers for it's that important so. in my opinion yeah because yeah. seeing an a-frame or whatever being gets you pulls you out of the story and the theme it does and isn't that why we're all here in the parks yeah <laughs> okay so that was a quick one but i just wanted to throw that one out all right let's go back to a nice hit <sighs> let's see this is my last one what yeah this is my fifth one because i combined the monorails with the hotels so oh and okay. that's gonna be i mean we can make this quick it's sure. no one thinks this is a miss i don't think but disney cruise line Ooh. which debuted in what 98 97 i forget when i yeah sailed on the first one the <laughs> magic like that. I, i'm trying to remember because i went that's back when i was like a regular travel agent and i went on the inaugural cruises and all that stuff so I don't know if it was like preview cruises or the real thing, but I'm pretty sure it was 98 because. Yeah, that was my first time. Yeah. Anyway, um, I think it's a great addition, a great concept. Disney certainly has spoiled us for all of their cruise lines. Yeah. I mean, they've taken something that was, a, you know, a common thing, a, a cruise, but then they put the Disney twist on it and they've added so many uh, of their own twists that have either become the industry standard or have just set Disney apart, including like rotational dining. Yeah, exactly. And other things. I mean, they took away the casinos. Yes. Smoking. Yeah. And all of that. Um, The little bathrooms where you have the sink outside. Oh, yeah. And the toilet and the bathroom. Yeah, separating the bathroom. Yeah, I forget what that's called. The toilet. Yeah, all good things. It's more expensive, but in many ways, I think it's worth it because it's just the overall feeling you get on there. It's a good time. Plus, they have their own island. (laughs) Well, a lot of cruise lines have their own island. Well, a lot of cruise lines have their own island, but aren't able to park at it. That's true. And they have to tender over to them. Yes. Disney bought them. And they certainly... Which is wonderful. Yeah, and they certainly upped the um, entertainment quality you know people used to and still do make fun of cruise line entertainment (laughs) but even especially in recent years disney has really added um broadway quality yeah so and the dining of course and the dining is good too yes so that's it those are all all my hits there's no more hits no more hits in all of disney parks seven more (laughs) okay here's a a good one Disney expanding their parks worldwide. Not just Disneyland and Disney World, but going overseas. This is going to go well with my next miss. Wait. 
what? <laughs> Go ahead. Because um, just basically bringing their parks out to places like Tokyo and Paris. You know, they've not been perfect, but I guess in Tokyo it pretty much has been, <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, but I was also going to combine this with their, especially their their um, their partnership with the Oriental Land Company has just been a huge hit, and yeah. um, just their standards as far as um, you know friendliness, cleanliness, uh, basically redoing each of the attraction when whenever they need to, yeah. th- having a very set schedule to make sure that everything is. Uh, refurbished and done very nicely and all of their new attractions it's just phenomenal and it's just so clean and friendly and to me especially the ones in Tokyo perfection mm. now yeah the one that went to Paris yeah there was a, <laughs> a lot of that was a weird time I think that was a weird time um, overall I do like it I think it's fun um, yeah it's a beautiful park in my opinion. And, and they're and redoing the whole studios yeah, now, so who knows what that will It is fun to be into. able to see just uh, a lot of different uh, versions of that yes. uh, with different languages. And, you know, their castle is beautiful and all of that. Um, Sophia just came back from Disneyland Paris. Yeah. And she was not a fan. <laughs> but she was there by herself. Not the hugest it was Disney cold. fan amongst and she was Well, I think she likes the parks and stuff she like does. that. I'm but glad she's that she not went. as into them as we all are. But I think if we were with her, it would have been, yes. you know, not to toot our own horn, but we would have made it more fun. Yes. <laughs> and I would say even just the additions at Hong Kong and, and Shanghai, which are going through a tough time right now, both having just been closed. Yes. But, um, yeah, they've done some really great things, if, if you ask me. Yeah. And going back to the refur- refurbishment schedule, just really quick, when we were on the most recent resort tour, um, we got to see so many refurbished rooms and they really do now have a schedule of like this is I think there was a while there that they just let things go and I'm hoping that this is not just lip service that we got on this tour but (laughs) that they really are going to keep up with um, refurbishments and keep it up today because I think there's so many hotels in the area that are you know cheaper and you get more. Um, but anyway, as I was saying, this kind of leads into my last miss, I'm, I'm which intrigued. is also expansion, but expansion without proper infrastructure That's a updates. very valid point. So they've done all of these new hotels over the years, all of these new attractions, all of these promotions and marketing blitzes and everything to come to the parks. And then the buses... You know, you sometimes have to wait 45 minutes for a bus or something. And the monorails are in desperate need of updating and refurbishment and maintenance, things like that. I think, as you said earlier, the Skyliner is a great addition. Yeah, because that takes a bunch of the buses off the roads. Right. And they they even have said in um, the Pop Century and Art of Animation, I'm not sure if that's still there, but like a couple of weeks ago, they had an A-frame out that said um, <laughs> the bus service was, there was only going to be one bus yeah. per hour because they wanted people yeah. to use and the Skyline. And about like just the art of animation and Pop Century uh, are some of the uh, hotels that have the most amount of rooms and mm-hmm. the Caribbean Beach as well. Um, and so it services a lot of folks to yeah. those two parks. If you ask me, I think they might expand that to the All-Stars. I hope I think that, that they be, do. That would be a really good move yeah. because there's so many rooms there. And being able to do that to at least two of the parks and maybe Animal Kingdom to the front of Animal Kingdom since you're all off yeah. that way, that would take even more buses off that would the roads. And I think it's a little scary for some people that you know may not be used to it's or so want to. Smooth. But it's not it's like it's a new technology. It's been around forever. Yeah. Uh, not forever, but you know. A long time. A very long time. And it's time, not yeah. like Disney created the Skyliner. It has existed and they've just brought it yep. here. And So I think it's a good addition, but I think they need to do more of that preemptive planning before they expand or do yes. marketing pushes as they have point. done. Because there's more and more people coming and now they're trying to counteract that with more expensive pricing and upcharges and add-ons 
and it's not really deterring people from coming. So <laughs> it's okay. a lot of people. And I'm add, done. I have no more misses. I will add another uh, quick miss, I think. Yes. And that's just, I think uh, the character meet and greets have become incredibly popular. And a lot of people, you know, they plan their vacations all around them. But I think they've become very regimented hmm. uh, in a way. And not so much like they used to do at Disneyland, where they would just be very impromptu meet and greets, where right. f- where characters would literally just be found on the streets. Go ahead. Well, I think that Galaxy's Edge is changing. That, that is true. Because Ray and Chewbacca and um, the girl that's the spy, I always forget her name, V, I think. <laughs> Yes. Oh, that's going to bug me. I'm sorry. V- I know it's Vi. V- no, it's not Vi. No, it's this is dumb. V- anyway, you know who I mean. Um, <laughs> those interactions are all unique and all, they, they're not scheduled. Yes. They're just whenever they no, happen and, to appear. And, and that's the way that they should be, Yeah. In my well, opinion. I think because Walt Disney World Resort is so much bigger and there's so many people that, like you said, come here just to meet the characters sometimes or at least they're forced to by their parents yep. they had no choice but to funnel mickey and minnie and princess you know and very popular princesses doing away. that where they were able to get so many people yeah. to get through like the, the mickey really, mouse meet and greet on right. main street as and well the, as the princess one in uh, anna face, and elsa yeah. they certainly oh, created yeah, yeah. a lovely home for them over in yes, norway they have the Sommerhus or Sommerhus. yeah so it is interesting i i understand what you mean but i i think hopefully things are changing i don't know if yeah, and I, Magic Kingdom will they, ever be Disneyland as where like Peter Pan can just wander yes. around. I mean, a lot of people I think would actually call this a plus or a hit, yeah. if you will, the thing that I'm calling a miss. I just prefer the, the more just like a very surprise meet that just happens like as you're walking from here to there and just, oh my gosh, there's mm-hmm. these characters here that are literally walking with you or whatever. Some of them even ride the attractions out there. So, to me, that's a lot more fun than scheduling time to, okay, okay this, it, it's going to take 40 minutes to go through this meet and greet experience. Okay, let's hop in this line and do that. Yes. And then, you know, they're trying to get people in and out of there. So, it, they probably are able to uh, have some special one-on-one time with them. But, I don't know. This is probably, once again, just a minor quibble. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it depends on, you know, who you are going there and why you're that is true. who you're going to the parks with. It is V or Vi Moradi yeah. was the spy. I thought it was Vi. I knew, I knew I it was spelled v. the one way. It's I, V-I. I anyway, yeah. I she's I just didn't there. know how that's pronounced. She's a fun she character fun. interaction. A lot of times you'll even find her in the actual queue of Rise of the yeah. Resistance trying to escape the stormtroopers. So, yeah, Kylo Ren too. <laughs> yeah, Kylo Ren too. Um, I think that will wrap up this first foray into hits and misses at Disney parks. Yeah, I did have more, but that's okay. I can save them. Save them for next time because I think we're going to hopefully let us know what are your hits and misses. Did you disagree with us? Are you a super big fan of the dining plan or fast passes or Yeah, a lot of the character the misses meet and could greets? be they could be hits for other people. But, yeah, as I said you know, that with that last one, I think it's a hit for a lot of people. Yeah. To me, it's a miss. So. Yeah, so let us know in the comments to the blog post accompanying this on Twitter, Facebook, anywhere you want, YouTube. Um, you can, of course, watch this on YouTube if you aren't already. Yes, please. Or you can watch it again if you are already. <laughs> Subscribe and like. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you yes. listen to podcasts if you like. So hopefully more people will find us and can be mad about our choices too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, thanks for joining us yes. up the waterfall. Bye now.